If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. A quote by Wayne Dyer. This quote is in chapter nine of the book, Unstick Your Mind by Mamika Cooney, who is my guest today. And her passion and determination is to teach people how to shift their mindsets, develop grit and break barriers in their lives. Mamika and myself both believe that the mind is your most powerful muscle and weapon of warfare in your life. And scripture actually confirms this. So we dive into some uh, incredible topics showing you how all aspects of your humanity are connected, your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit, all of it. And we even touch on some topics where maybe scriptures have been used Um, that have caused us some actual baggage and bondage in this area where it was intended to bring us some freedom. And so we're going to dive into all little juicy things. So you're not going to want to miss this episode. And side note, her South African accent is wonderful and musical to listen to. So share this episode with a friend. Enjoy this episode. Grab your coffee. We're going to dive in right now. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Hey friend, I wanted to interrupt real quick to share a very exciting new development with you. So Java with Jen previously was not considered a nonprofit um, and donations made to Java with Jen were not a tax write-off as many people have asked me about. But the answer now is yes, any donations made to the show are a tax write-off because Java with Jen is coming under the umbrella of Free Life Missions, which is my husband and I's missions organization because the show is reaching over 80 nations. So if you have been considering somewhere that you can give and sow where it is not only a tax write-off, which benefits you in tax season, but is also getting the word of God around the world, I would ask you to consider supporting Java with Jen. I am currently praying that the Lord will bring me five new sponsors over the next two months that will be able to give and help support the growth of the show and me doing this full time. And if you come on as a sponsor, I'm going to be sending you a personalized thank you gift um, just to show you my appreciation. And basically, you'll be joining a fun little group of people that are making the show happen, and they're all near and dear to my heart, and it's just a great little community. So if that's you, I would ask for you to go check out patreon.com slash Java with Jen. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Java with Jen. The link is also in the show notes, and that's where you can get signed up. Leave me a note when you do that so that I know that you are wanting to be one of my five sponsors that I'm praying for. So, uh, thanks for jump. Thanks for listening to this. Let's get back to the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me today on another episode at Java with Jen. I have a wonderful guest whose accent is going to make you just want to listen through to the end. Her name is Mamika Cooney, and she is from South Africa. And I met her through another guest that I'd had on my show. And she brings a wonderful um, fresh perspective on mental health and kind of redeeming the idea of mental health, even in Christian circles. She's written a book called Unstick Your Mind, and it is um, just amazing. I can't wait to dig into it. I just got it yesterday in the mail, and so I'm really excited to dive in. So, Mamika, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Jen. I'm so excited. It's going to be fun. I know. Well, and you and I talked in our initial interview that I'm like, I am a mental health 
neuroscience nerd as well. And so this stuff gets me really excited. And I agree uh, with you that the church hasn't always done it justice. And there is some real, there's some religious thinking around the, our mind and our heart and the way we handle all of that, that can really hurt people actually, because it's not the full picture of truth or the full picture of health. So we're going to dive into that today, but why don't you go ahead and share a little bit with my audience about yourself, um, where you're from, where you live now and all of that. Perfect. Well, as mentioned, I'm not from around here. I'm originally from South Africa. I was born and raised there, but I've been living here in uh, the North Carolina since 2006. So this is officially home. But the reason how we got around here, my husband and I have been entrepreneurs since 95. So I'm dating myself here. We had an in online internet business and over the years, as we've developed it and um, he's now has a software company. So as we've moved, we've gone to establish a new uh, office for the business. Mm. Um, and in that process, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 16. Love the whole entrepreneurship model. I don't make a very good employee because I don't like, I like to be the boss, not, you know. <laughs> um, so I learned very early in being raised by entrepreneurs. It's, you know, no surprise there. Mm. And I love the idea of creating freedom around time and um, and of course, I, I'm a high achiever. I love to do things with excellence. And oftentimes I would push myself beyond my limits just because uh, I feel like I'm and in that pursuit of excellence, right? Mm. But sometimes excellence can turn into perfectionism and perfectionism <laughs> to being a control freak. So I'll be the first to admit I was a recovering per, a control freak. But, um, you know, throughout my years, I've known the Lord since I was 10 and went through, you know, like everybody, we all have a story of, you know, trauma or experiences we've been through. Mm. And I didn't realize for years that I'd been carrying what I call the junk in the trunk mm. through my journey and just kept going and thinking more, more pressure, more gas, more acceleration, more speed would help get me through, through life. And until it didn't, until I fell apart and everything mm. stopped. Uh, so long story short, basically within a period of about six weeks, I went through losing a, a close, uh, my mother-in-law from cancer. Mm. I had a, a teenage child with a mental health crisis and a business failure flop that didn't go very well. And just far as, you know, eventually in, in being in survival mode for years, having immigrated twice, in, in five years did have a toll on my physical and mental health that I didn't aware, wasn't aware of yeah. until it finally hit me and I had grief and, you know, that feeling of when your body just aches and just like the real ugly snot cry, like nobody wants to see me like this. <laughs> but, you know, through this process, I've always journaled my journey and um, I love to teach and, you know, if I go through something, I love to help others. So through this process of, you know, in the healing and I sought, uh, you know, counseling and help. And I really got fascinated with the concept of like, I kept doing these things, but why? Why was I constantly following the same patterns, the same habitual ways of doing things, ending up with the same result, no matter how I difference I tried. And I realized it all came back to how I was thinking. And, you know, God revealed to me Romans 12 too, which is you have to renew your mind daily. And really, if you think of the word renew is to make it fresh, renew it, make it go back and reset it to its factory settings because God created us perfect with the way we are, but it's life and living through experiences that kind of batters and, you know, we get a little hurt and we get, you know, affected along the way. Yeah, But I'd really realized that, and, and I come from a, a classically trained ballet background and I'm a um, competitive figure skater. So I also have that sports psychology mindset of mm. if we're going to work on something, how do we find a program or a practice or a system to do this? Because I'm a mm. fixer, okay? I like, if there's a problem, I'm going to fix it. <laughs> and I really, I dove into neuroscience and coaching and how the brain works. I got uh, recertified as a uh, leadership uh, coach consultant 
through John Maxwell. And then I also got into the neuroscience part and studied under Dr. Daniel Amen um, and Amen Clinics. And I'm now a brain uh, health uh, trainer. So I've, I really wanted to understand what is it that makes us take control of thoughts? What is mindset? What is neuroscience? And how does that affect behavior, right? Yeah. So I am an integral uh, student of uh, behavioral science and always just fascinated by people's, mm. how people do things. And through this process, I realized there is actually a system of retraining our minds because we go to the gym, right? We go and we lift weights. We want to lose weight. We change our diets. We watch what we eat, but we don't have, we've never thought of a mental diet. We never think of what we're consuming that's affecting our mental health because your mental health affects your physical, your emotional, your spiritual, everything. Yeah, And I didn't realize that a lot of the stuff that I kept taking in and just thinking, oh, that's just the way I think. Oh, that's the way I'm always going to be. That's mm. the way I was raised. Almost like there's a never, there isn't a way of renewal, but that's mm. a lie. And I think this is where it comes back to that story, that perspective of, I believe this is one piece that the church has not taught very well is the concept of renewing your mind. Like, yeah, it sounds great. It sounds like a great bumper to sticker, but how do we do this? Yeah. How do we renew our mind? How do we go back to what how God expected us to be? And over the years I've developed, um, it's been about six, seven years now, through this proce process of coaching others and learning about this and constantly studying, I have my own signature process, which is called the Unstick Your Mind Method, hence the name of the book. <laughs> and I, I've realized there is a systematic approach to how you can retrain your brain. So just like hiring a personal trainer for your body, Mm -hmm. You want to lose weight or you want to gain muscle. You know, you have a program that you follow, right? Yeah. But you know that when you go to the gym, you're not going to lift a hundred pounds of weight. That's going to hurt and right. you're going to do some damage. Yeah. So just like we approach our physical health, our spiritual and mental health is just as if not more important yeah. because it does direct everything else. And this process I've developed is really about taking baby steps, celebrating small wins and slowly building up your mental mind muscle yeah. to unlearn bad behaviors, old habits, old way, and then rewire and reprogram yourself through practice and repetition, mm -hmm. the new ways of thinking and acting and behaving. So like if yeah. you go on a diet and you know, it's no longer Ben and Jerry's for lunch, right? We're now <laughs> going to have a salad. Now it's not going to be just for a time because everybody knows that if you a diet only works for a while you're on it. Yeah. The whole process of when God says in his word, renew your mind daily Hence the word daily. It has to be a daily lifestyle habit. So I literally have taken Romans 12 too, uh seriously. And that's my mission is to really help and train others mm -hmm. to renew their mind, to really get back into alignment with who God made them to be. Yeah. Get rid of all that junk, clear it out, reprogram, reset, and get us onto the right onto the right journey. And I like to use the analogy of a car, get oh. you back in the right vehicle. That's been reserviced, retired, and ready for ready to and ready to go on your new journey for success. That's so good. I love it. Okay, so I want to hit on a couple of those things real quick. Um, first of all, you mentioned that the church hasn't done such a great job teaching us about how to renew our mind. Now, of course, we have all heard uh, sermons on renew your mind and blah blah blah. So we've heard sermons where they address it, maybe, but because there is a there is a gap between how the how the church responds to the spiritual approach and the practical approach of doing that. Now, I have seen as I've learned about neuroscience and even kinesthetic therapy and like about the energy flows through your body that is 100% pure science. 
But because maybe new agers or whatever are not afraid of woo-woo or what looks like and feels like woo-woo, it's less tangible. And so the new agers have understood this and run with it. And there is some validity to it. Now, how they, how they run with it or what they do with it is they got out of the picture. So it's not wholesome, but the science behind kinesthetic therapy, neuroscience, how your brain is working. A lot of people, even when they go through trauma and they pick up what we, what we would consider baggage or how they have like triggers or things like that. The church has responded to poorly and put spiritual labels on it or said that's demonic or whatever, when really fundamentally their brain is doing exactly what it was built to do, which is stay away from danger chase safety. And so like on a fundamental survival level, their body and brain is doing what God designed it to do. But then we as Christians and people who are um, not even Christians, but just humans with souls, we can come in and say, Hey, let's reset that. So it can actually be healthy because fear orientation is going to destroy you. So let's go back into health and like doing this well. So in my own health journey, I found that there was some scriptural um, principles that I had applied wrongly or had applied religiously that caused me to not know how to walk out mental health well. And when I started like dropping off the shame and dropping off the wrong thinking that I had and embracing, hey, this is how God made my body to work. So there's no shame in the fact that I have some triggers. I need to put the work into understanding my heart and healing my heart. And, and that brought in my next point, which is where God, as God led me through that process, I encountered his kindness and his gentleness. And I began to discover that he was so good at giving me baby steps. Like he never was like, here, you need to change that thinking right now. Here's the sledgehammer to do it, which is how the church oftentimes does. They're like, you just need to die to your flesh and you know and they take such a harsh approach when my experience with the lord himself has always been so gentle and like hey yeah there's a big thing that needs to be dealt dealt with but here's the baby stuff you can handle today let's do that and he's always so kind and patient you know so let's speak to where maybe specifically the church has got some of this wrong and how can we tweak it and adjust it to be more healthy definitely Well, I personally believe that the church has missed the mark in terms of supporting people on their mental health journey, because Mm. just the concept of feeling like you're struggling with something mentally has had such a stigma and a shame to it. Yeah. And immediately what the first thing we think of, and especially in the world now, everyone has a label like Mm -hmm. this disorder, this disease, you, you are not your label. And here's the good news. You are not broken. Yeah. You are just a work in progress. Yeah. And that's what really gets me fired up is that people believe this and f- believing that you're stuck forever is the worst thing that could do because staying stuck where you're not meant to be is more painful than doing the work of changing. That's good. But because of our fear mind and our survival mechanism that's built in us and mm-hmm. because God is did design us to survive and thrive, we are naturally constantly fighting our biology, but yet we're being told there's something wrong with you. You need to do this. You aren't doing that right. And this kind of shame and blame approach is not effective. It just puts people into a re- retraction. Let's hide. Mm-hmm. I don't want to really show. And then even in my personal journey, I found when I started being vulnerable and sharing like, hey, I'm a mess. Like, yeah. I ain't perfect. What you see online isn't really true. You just seeing people's highlight reels. Yeah. And it's like gives people permission just to breathe and go, oh, finally, I'm not alone. Yeah. Because here's the thing, people, when you're feeling stuck, it's not your fault. It's your yeah. brain putting the brakes on your potential. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because you know you want to do something and you want to try something new or you you see the vision of the future. But it's like the self-sabotage goes in because your brain's going, oh, we're not doing that again. Last time we touched that, we burnt ourselves. So yeah. we can't do that again. Yeah. And really what it is, it's fear. Fear, yeah. fear, fear. And fear sells, right? In the news, we talk about what bleeds, leads. And anything that can keep you in a fear-based is a control mechanism. And we know that the church hasn't really taught us how to do things. How do we walk this out? Like I'm I'm all great for the support of, you know, let's read the scripture and God says, renew your mind. Yay, that's cute. Yeah. But let's let's take that in practical terms. And I'm a very practical person. Yeah. Like you have to show me how. Like if you're gonna tell me something, you're gonna first of all tell explain to me why. And then you have to show me how make it practical. And the good news is that neuroscience is finally catching up with the Bible, the things that we think, and this is where we have to immediately draw the line and say, if we, our first response is to go, Oh, that's new age. Oh, that's new. uh, Woo woo. Why do you think like that? Right. What is the reason that you were immediately putting a label on that? Because God created everything. Remember the enemy did not create the thing. He just copies mimics and tries to twist what God has already used. But if we could tap into who God made us to be. So purpose is super important. And the best way to describe that is like life is a journey. You may as well enjoy the ride. Right. And you know, it's a cliche, but if you're first of all in the wrong car, going in the wrong direction, or even worse, without directions, going around and around in circles, you're mm-hmm. either going to run out of gas, get stuck on the side of the road, or just end up doing nothing. Yeah. And none of those are real good options. So if we yeah. think about we have the option and and in and it shows neurologically our brain is an amazing organ. Yeah. God developed us that even with with traumatic brain injuries, our body heals. It yeah. heals itself. But we need to give it the right input, right? So we need to stop the negative cycle, stop believing the lies, start to change our mind into believing that what's God's worth word is true and focusing on truth mm-hmm. and reiterating that and practicing those new beliefs and practices and habits mm-hmm. because believe me if it took you a hot minute to get into this mess we could say, safely say it'll take you a few hot minutes to get out yeah but giving yourself grace yeah it's not going to happen overnight and that's where i've developed this program in terms of it's a systematic approach to tra- retraining the way you are now obviously the older you are the more life experience you've had the more reasons and time you've had to put into the habits that you currently have Mm. But it, but the good news is it doesn't matter how old you are, what experience you have or yeah. where you are in your life. The good news is you can change your life yeah. by changing your mind. Yes, it's so true. Well, and what I love about this whole new discovery is it's the redemption of God in practical application, because for a long time, it was believed. In fact, my husband told me the other day, and I had to correct him that he was like, your brain doesn't regenerate itself. Your brain doesn't. And I was like, no, actually it does. does. (laughs) And I said, it's called neuroplasticity. You know, your brain can. And so I shared even the story about um, Dr. Caroline Leaf, when who's a neuroscientist that I follow, and she's and South African, she's and South African, it's true, <laughs> and uh, and she's brilliant, and she earned her doctorates. For those who aren't familiar with her, she earned her doctorate through her research of the brain and how it affects behavior and and the mind and all of that. She went into a dark place in Africa where um, the people there experienced the most compounded amount of trauma that you can experience. They're starving to death. There's um, sexual abuse. There's uh, financial, uh, they're just devastation. They're just all the things you can think of, like no education. And so she went in there 
And she was like, if my philosophies about the brain are true, let's put them in action here. Because if we see change here, that means anybody can experience this. And she went in there and she started teaching these children who have all these traumas how to change their mind with, with changing the way that they think. And it literally changed their health. It changed their, uh, just the way they functioned. They started thriving. Those who were in school started doing better, all these different things. And she was blown away by what she saw. And all it was, was she took, which is a godly principle in the word that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And she put it into practical application with her scientific understanding of how the brain works. And I feel like when we can stop being so religiously fearful of, oh, that's woo-woo, oh, that's new age. No, the reason we think that and have that response is simply because the first time we experienced that maybe was through seeing it done in new age. That doesn't mean the concept is untrue. It just means we have an association with it. And so I began to like pause my associations and look deeply. And I was like, if this is how God made us to work, then this is a reflection of his wisdom. And I want to understand everything that God has done, everything. And so it began to bring so much insight and revelation. So you mentioned um, that you're in your book that you begin to really mer merge neuroscience with the word of God. And I have also seen that the more I dig into neuroscience, even quantum physics, that it begins to explain the things of God and scriptures that always felt kind of trite or surface, or I didn't have deep understanding have suddenly come alive now that I understand these scientific things. So how in your book, did you begin to merge or what are even some scriptures that you saw scientific backing for that was like new epiphanies for you? Mm. Well, I would say, you know, it wasn't necessarily an epiphany, but it was more of a, oh, now I get it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I understand as we like, and to me, I always come back to Romans 12 too, is when you break it down is how do we renew our minds daily, right? How do we transform our minds and looking just at the concept of transformation and change? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. Practically, if you want to change something, it means stop doing the thing you were doing yeah. and start to do the new thing. It's yeah. kind of simple, right? Yeah. And that's the thing is we try to make it so complicated. It, even the word neuroscience seems very complicated, but really it's the science of how our neuropathways work in our brain, because we know we have energy in our body. We have, I mean, you can see it on spec scans and, you know, all the scans you could do of your body is there's your heart has energy. Your brain has energy. Our neural uh, nervous system is constantly talking two parts of our body. So we know there's this constant growth and energy within us. But in as a modern society, we've come to believe that emotions are things that either A, we just live by, or B, we ignore. So you're either on two sides of the court. And if you just look at the word emotion, it's energy in motion. So let's take it back to say a sense of fear. One may major major fear that most people fear is speaking on stage. A lot of people find that very fearful. So the idea of what happens when you experience fear is it's a mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual response. Your body gets nervous. You maybe get a tight chest. You get butterflies in your stomach. And then in my case, my legs start shaking. <laughs> and you're like, there's a physical manifestation of that, that uh, energy that's flowing through me. Mm. But on the flip side, we have not been taught how to emotionally regulate because in my personal opinion, and I know I'm not the only one who thinks this, mm -hmm. we don't have a mental health problem. We have an emotional regulation problem. We yes. are not taught how to regulate our emotions. Yeah. We almost thought we've been taught to placate it, uh, you know, medicate it, uh, Kill it. ignore <laughs> it, you know, 
shame base of shove it in the back of the closet. Don't talk about it or distract ourselves with social media, Netflix and whatever else, because we don't want to deal with the big elephant in the room, yeah. which is the emotional situation you're in. But yeah. here's the thing is when you face that emotion, whether it's good, bad or ugly, mm-hmm. you allow that emotion to flow through your body. Your body will have a reaction. So let's say, what's the worst thing that could happen? You can feel afraid. And so feel afraid, work through it, be done. Yeah. Yay, we did it. <laughs> now we can yeah. move on. But what we have, it's like we're constantly in, you know, I'm, I'm an, I was born in the 70s and raised in the 80s. So I still remember those tape players or those record players going, wah, wah, you know, when you're stuck and it keeps going round and round. Yeah. And we kind of have these loops in our brains of these yeah. negative tapes that just go over and over and over and just on repeat. But people are not taught to challenge their thoughts. Yeah. They're not taught to challenge their emotions. Like, yes, I can see that's happening. Mm-hmm. And that objectivity, we and, and especially in the last 20 or 30 years, especially 20 years, because my eldest is in the 20s. And I remember it was around about the 2000s when it was all about, you know, talking about your feelings. Like back in the day, you know, when our, my parents were raised, the, the days of Dr. Spock, who was very much disciplined and children must be seen and not heard. And then it shifted to, you know, children being a little bit more seen and then eventually it shifted to let let a two-year-old decide what he or she wants to wear because how are they feeling today right <laughs> and are you having a tantrum oh it's okay I understand how you feel my sweetie no sweetie cannot understand and regulate her emotions at two years old mm-hmm. we didn't teach her how to deal with those feelings of frustration that yeah. now 20 years later we have 20 gen z's and, and millennials who are emotional messes yeah because we yeah. were never taught how to emotionally regulate so again, it doesn't matter what generation you were born in. We need to teach ourselves and our children mm-hmm. how to A, recognize the difference between thoughts and feelings yeah. and B, how to filter through you know, what's a truth and a lie because mm-hmm. there's a lot of lies we believe as truths until yeah. they are challenged. Yeah. And usually, you know, the difference is if A, you get offended or B, you want to run. Again, uh-huh. it's challenging the status quo. So I have no fears about, you know, putting up a mirror and saying, Hey, there's a problem here. Uh Most people who are in denial don't like that, but that's okay. I'm here to help bring awareness. So if someone has never heard about the concept of neuroscience before, what I'm really excited about, and and, you know, you've already shared is that this is a concept that was designed by God because Mm -hmm. he designed our brains. He designed our bodies. He knows how we function. He knows our immediate reactions, which is why I always like to tell everybody your brain putting brakes on you and your potential is not your fault. It's designed to protect you. Yeah, That's it's actually doing its job. But yeah. we no longer live on the African plains and being chased by hungry lions. Yeah. So now we can, you know, there are other choices we can make and not to react to those fear. Yeah. But it also doesn't, doesn't help that we're in a fear-based society because the news, their yeah. version is if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. If I can create more drama, we can keep ourselves in this negative pattern. So right. Today's a great way to start being more aware of this concept and to mm-hmm. say, wow, I can change my life by changing my mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Well, and, and two, I think it's important that, that God built us with the faculty and the ability where our human will and, and our heart is the strongest, most important aspect of who we are, because that is the essence of 
who you are as an individual, the way that you think, the way that you view the world, the way you process the world, that is really what makes you unique. The way uh, Mamika could could read a, an article and I could read the same article and we would have totally different walkaways because the way we view and process it is going to be different. And so when you bring in, hey, your, your brain is biologically built to keep you safe and da, da, da. So our brains might respond the same to trauma, but the way we process it and heal through it is gonna be unique and different because we're different people, right? And that's beautiful because our human will is at the center of us choosing God and choosing the good things that he is, he, the, the fact that we can choose him and, and he wants us to have that choice. And that's why the human will and the capacity to make those changes is so important. Um, okay, so I want, I want you to speak to this passage because I actually even saw a reel pop up on Instagram this week of a woman speaking to this verse. And I just found myself like, Ugh, because I feel like this verse is one of the ones that's used to teach people to silence their hearts and silence their emotions rather than deal with them healthfully. And so I think some religious beliefs come out of this verse, but I think it's in Jeremiah where it says the heart is deceptive above all things who can perceive it. And so I know that that was at the bottom of me shutting down my intuition, shutting down my heart, shutting down and like, um, I think second guessing myself and, and, and not giving as much room to the things God had actually put inside of me because I was like, oh, if I'm passionate about it, maybe my heart's trying to lead me astray, you know, and my heart's deceptive and I can't trust it. So, you know, and it was like, I feel like religiously that scripture has been used to abuse people so much and, and knowing God's good heart. Like I don't see anywhere else in scripture where I see the concept of, don't trust your heart, be afraid of it. In fact, in Proverbs, it says, guard your heart, protect it and nurture it because out of it come all the issues of life. And so throughout scripture, I see God tells us to care for our hearts. But in that one passage, it says the heart is deceptive above all things. So I feel like that's one place where the church has gone off the rails and, and misunderstood how to handle our emotions. So can you speak to that passage specifically? Yes. So yeah, T give me the reference again. It's Jeremiah. What I was think, the quote? well, I'm guessing, I think it's, I know it's in the old Testament. Let me look it up. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll have to have a look. Okay. But yeah. Again, it's like when you said that, um, when I've heard that scripture before, to me, it was like the heart is deceptive, meaning that we are not believing everything that's true, Yeah. but it doesn't necessarily, to me, it doesn't necessarily mean that I shouldn't trust my heart because our heart really is the spirit of who we are. And we believe that Jesus comes to live and reside in us when we become Christians, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then we have a soul layer, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions that has to be renewed, which has to be cleaned up. It doesn't get immediately um, fixed. And I think that's that's the issue where I feel like the church has not helped people is to work through what we call the soul wounds, the rejection, the fears, the the, the programming, the, the uh, how we were raised. But in, in terms of, you know, talking about uh, the heart being deceptive, I think Again, it just depends on how you were raised and how you were taught this. Mm -hmm. I, I personally don't think it means that. I just think that it means that we are emotional beings and things change. We can't always be living by our feelings. We can't always let our feelings dictate the choices we make. But at the same time, you do have to be aware of between your thoughts and feelings. And that's why we have so much training on, on hearing the voice of God and understanding, am I hearing God's voice? Like God will speak to our heart. Yeah. And he will always 
he plants our purpose in our heart. Mm-hmm. So that lie of that you can't trust your heart is a complete, let's bust that right now. That's yeah. not what God means, right? Because yeah. every other scripture is backed up by God speaking through the heart. Mm-hmm. And it really just depends on like how you, what is the, the lens that you're hearing this through? If mm-hmm. and Again, I always say, let's compare truths with lies. We know God is complete truth. His word is truth. So mm-hmm. let's hold up a mirror to this and challenge it. Is this, does this elicit fear, anxiety, shame in me? Or does it elicit love, contentment? And, and do I have a sense of feeling accepted? Mm-hmm. If it's not that, then we yeah. know where the source is from. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, back way back, even before Jesus's time, the church has, and even society and governments have used fear and um, as a way of controlling people, mm-hmm. because your brain literally goes from an adult brain thinking to back to being a two-year-old. And I actually talk about this in my book, the difference between the toddler, the teenager, and the therapist mm-hmm. is that it triggers that immediate sort of fear-based where, oh, we got to cut back. We can't do this. And fear is is the most strongest when it's control. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, always challenge what you're being taught. And yeah. this is sometimes the biggest thing for people to come to acceptance, especially those in the church, because of that religious mindset and spirit that's kept us in behavior because we have to behave a certain way and we don't want to offend anybody. And we're not talking about going crazy and doing something silly. We just want to challenge every belief and hold it up against the word of God as, is this truth or is this a lie? Yeah. And that's really how we come to peace about it. Yeah. And you know what? You make a really great point where I began to see when I went on my mental health journey, that there was a lot of scriptures that I had taken in that I took on through the lens of fear. And because of that, those scriptures became a burden to me rather than like the word says, the truth will set you free where the spirit of God is, there is freedom. And I began to realize, hold on, if these scriptures make me feel bound, make me feel stuck, make me feel a sense of failure and shame, Am I believing the truth about what the scripture is saying, or am I believing something twisted? And so that began to be my filter because the the kingdom of God is peace, joy, and righteousness in the kingdom of God, in the Holy Spirit. And so if your Christianity and your belief of the word produces fear and shame, like you're saying, and, and like a burden, as opposed to peace and joy and the fruit of righteousness in your life, something's twisted. And it's not that that word, that tr- that the scripture is not true. It's that how we're understanding it and applying it may be broken. And so that began to cause me to look more deeply at, okay, then what is the context of this verse that I've been taking on wrong? You know, and what was God really saying? And even looking at the full counsel of the word, what does he say in other passages? Maybe it gives me better context. And so that's really important. I think for those who, especially grown up in the church, and um, kind of walked away with some some wounds and stuff like that. Okay, so let's look at your book real quick. Um, there was one chapter, uh, actually two of them I want you to talk to you. One is the chapter eight, challenging limiting beliefs. I think that's a really big one. Um, even in business, I feel like that's a huge uh, talking point is limiting beliefs. And I've seen that affecting all aspects of my life. Um, and pushing through boundaries. Everyone, all my listeners know I'm big on boundaries now because of how it restored my mental health. <laughs> and so speak to those two different ones. What do you dig into in those chapters or what would you want to leave our listeners with about challenging limiting beliefs specifically? Definitely. Well, I think we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but if we had to say challenging limiting beliefs is really challenging the way that you've thought and approached about things. And this is often 
you know, when we were living in denial and, you know, myself included, when I was going through that hard process and like the signs were there, but I was flying down the highway at a hundred miles an hour. I didn't want to see the signs because mm -hmm. I was like, no, I'm too busy to do that. And eventually when life hits you in the face and you realize you have to deal with things, as you start to dig deeper, you start to look at the wiring. So again, if we look at the car, right, your car will be fine when you get it new, but eventually after a lot of use and mileage, Things don't work the way they used to. There are certain things that start to go and maybe need replacing. And then sometimes the wiring ends up a mess. Mm. But we do have to allow ourselves to say, okay, we have a problem. Let's look at the reason why. Yeah. So first of all is to work through that process of denial and come to a, a position of awareness. Mm. Once you're aware there is a problem, then you can work on it. I mean, why do we have like um, the AA always has people admit that they are alcoholics before they can get help is because they have to be aware that there's a problem. Because mm -hmm. that's a classic sign of someone in addiction is denial. But once we are at that stage, we realize, oh, this is a problem. And let me ask, why is this doing this? Why am I behaving this way? Why do I react that way? We then are, are introduced to the concept of limiting beliefs. The mm -hmm. way we believe we are is dictating how we live. So here's another example I love to use. You know, in the circus, if you ever hear the story of how they raise elephants, when they first get the baby elephant, they tie the elephant with the chain to the ground with the, uh, a peg in the ground. That baby elephant will fight and pull and, you know, complain and want to get away. But eventually he gives in and he realizes this is the way life is going to be. Mm. That years later, that grown elephant doesn't even need to have a, a chain around its leg. It still thinks it's pinned and, and chained to the ground, even mm. if there is, it's not there. That is the concept of a limiting belief that even yeah. though there is no wall, there is no limitation, we've come accustomed to believing that's how life is. Mm. And we've never challenged that. Yeah. Like if you were raised maybe from uh, in, in a, in an environment where you had a, you know, a poor, a poor family upbringing, maybe it was a lack of emotional help or maybe a lack of financial help. There are these sort of hangups that we get, Right. And we start to develop and then we accrue and accumulate them. And eventually we just think that that's how it is. Mm. But here's the thing. Nobody thinks like you. Nobody's had your life experience and nobody yeah. is you because you are you and you are uniquely you because God did not designed you to be you. Mm -hmm. So the first part, the, the other part is to realize that you don't have to be anything that you weren't designed to be. Mm. And when we come to that realization is let's start to peel the layers off of the limits that we yeah. put on ourselves mm -hmm. and start to throw those away. And here's the other thing. Sometimes we get comfortable with them. Mm -hmm. We kind of, they become our security little, you know, little security blanket. That's like what we're used to. Um, and a classic example is somebody who just constantly talks about a diagnosis or a problem and they own it. Like it's become their identity, like, Oh, my anxiety or my depression. <laughs> Why do you want to own that as a, as a label? That's right. not who you are. Right. That is just what you're experiencing because those feelings and emotions like anxiety is your brain and your body talking to you. Mm -hmm. It's saying, hello, Houston, we have a problem. We need to fix something. Yeah. Not this is who you are forever and a day. Amen. Right. right? Yeah. No. Right. And I think when people realize that you can challenge those beliefs, even if, the, and it's hard, especially when you were raised in a very, say, religious society or religious family that you were taught not to challenge behavior or not to challenge, um, you know, authority. Mm -hmm. And we're not saying be rebellious. We just want to say, is ask yourself the question, am I believing truth? Mm -hmm. Again, compare truth to lies. And if you realize that you have been believing a lie, uh -huh. this is how we can then press in to challenge and start to peel them away. Okay. So reverse engineering now, because a lot of times people, 
they don't lead with understanding their limiting beliefs. Usually what happens first is we find ourselves either in a cycle of things going wrong or a cycle of like, maybe you're single forever. And, and every time you date someone, it just falls apart in the same way. And you're like, what is going on? I don't understand why nothing ever works out, you know, or whatever it may be. Maybe you get money and then next thing you know, you have nothing to, to show for it. And you're like, why does it feel like I'm always living paycheck to paycheck, even though I should have something to show for it? Whatever, we find ourselves in situations that are kind of a loop and it's a struggle and, and you can't see your way out of it, but you don't understand why it's not working out. Those are usually situations that are indicators that you have a limiting belief. And um, I had read the book, uh, The Habits of a Millionaire or something like that. And, and I love because he actually gave the practical tools how to get to the bottom of what your limiting belief is. And he said, think about any area of your life where it is not as fruitful as it should be, or you don't have the breakthrough that you should. And, it, and it's a struggle and you can't figure out why it's a, such a struggle. He said, that's an area you probably have a limiting belief. And then he said, the way to tap into what that limiting belief is, is you ask yourself, how do I feel? Or what do I think about weight loss? Like, let's say the struggle is you just can't lose weight. What do I think about weight loss? And he said, the first thing, the first emotion you experience or the first thought you have is your limiting belief. And so like, for me, I went through this process and there was like three areas of my life that I felt like I needed breakthrough, that it was a struggle. And so I, I asked myself, what do I think about this? What do I think about this? What do I think about this? And my response was always, Ugh, so much work. And so I was like, hold on my personality. I'm a worker. I'm an achiever. And so I was like, why would that be my thought? Why would that be my belief? And so I was like, well, what do I think about work? And so I just kind of got quiet and let my heart talk to me. And, and the belief that was buried was a lot of torture, no reward. And I was like, why do I believe that? Because I've had a very fruitful life in other ways. Why would that be my belief? And so I started thinking about it and intuitively, I felt like it was an inherited limited belief, limiting belief. And so I, uh, through some prayer and whatever, I felt like the Lord was showing me that it was connected to my father's, um, grandfather to that side of the family. And so I thought about it and realized when he was alive, he was raising a family during the great depression and during the great depression, it was, you would bust your tail and there was little fruit to show for it. And so I realized that limiting belief I was carrying actually wasn't even my own. It came from a grandfather and it was passed down, um, genetically, which is, uh, what's the word for that when it comes to epigenetics, mm. epigenetics. And, um, and so it was passed down on my bloodline, but scientifically it's coded into my DNA. And so because it's coded into my DNA, I just believed it. So then I had to confront it and say, okay, I'm not going to inherit that limiting belief. Instead, I'm going to correct it and say, you know what? Everything I put my hands to will prosper because the Lord's favor and blessing is on my life. So I began to correct it and change my confession, but I had to do that work of stopping looking at the situation and asking myself some questions to get down to the limiting belief. And they could be inherited. They could be from a trauma you went through. They could be from something someone said to you in third grade, you know, it could come from anywhere. Um, but doing the work is what Mamika is talking about here of like looking at the fruit of your life. And then kind of, you have to reverse engineer to get down to the bottom of it and identify that limiting belief. Yeah. I love that. That's a great concept. And it's also, <laughs> It comes down to, um, like, I think it was the, I can't remember his name's Japanese name, the, the guy who created Kyoto, they, they have their seven layers of why. 
Like, mm. why do I think this way? Why do I feel this way? Why does this make me feel like that? When does the last time I've, you know, felt this way? And then you, again, the reverse engineering, like you go, oh, that's because when I was five, I was rejected from the, I wasn't invited to the party. Or this is when dad yelled at me about something. And it's, it's so weird that as adults, we have these seeds that were planted when we were kids, when we didn't even have the ability to emotionally regulate or to filter and to understand. Yeah. But it's because we've never challenged those beliefs, they just continue to grow. And, yeah. you know, you, you alluded to this as well, Jen, when you mentioned we, we are able to tell what our limiting beliefs are by the fruits. Yeah. Like, and this is based on God's truth, right? In the Bible yeah. is we will know if a, a tree by its fruits. Mm -hmm. If you're producing good fruit and abundant fruits, then you know that the root system is good. But just yeah. like nature, if a tree is creating bad fruit, it's not necessarily the fruit. It's the root yeah. of the fruit that's nurturing and has the seed of what it started at, which eventually grows into yeah. the trunk yeah. of who we become. And then the branches of our thoughts then lead out to our words and actions, which were then the fruit. So again, yeah. we want to reverse into looking back at what and how and when those roots were planted. Mm -hmm. But just like every good gardener, sometimes we need to uproot some roots, mm. get rid of the weeds and start yeah. again and replant something that is going to be fruitful. And that's yeah. where God's word comes in alignment and says, this is how you renew your mind. This yeah. is how you're able to get rid of those limiting beliefs and work through and create the good fruit is doing right. the work. And sometimes it's a little messy. You might get some dirty hands and there will be, there will be tears, but if you're willing to do the work, you will get the reward. That's so good. Well, and I, I, I used to feel some shame actually, when I would find these limiting beliefs, I would be like, how could I have started to think like that? Like almost a little bit of like, like Jen, you shouldn't have known better. But then later when I learned that every second your brain, your subconscious mind is taking in 2 million bits of data every second of your life. And it just goes in as data. Your subconscious mind does not filter moral, immoral, truth, lies. It doesn't have a filter like that. It just takes it in as data. So sometimes when we go through hard experiences, everything in your mind, your mind is processing so fast that we don't even, we don't catch it that it needs to be processed differently. And so that's why on a daily basis, it's important that we're taking the time to know our hearts and evaluate emotional pops on the radar, if you will, when there was an emotional surge on the radar of our day, you know, pay attention and hone in on those and process those through with the Lord and even just in talking to and listening to your heart. Okay. So I know we need to wrap up here, but speak real lightly, real quickly to that chapter on pushing through boundaries. That title kind of made me go, huh, what's she talking about in that one? <laughs> well, this is a concept I love talking about is that is pushing through boundaries. Now, a boundary in can be good and can be bad. Now, a boundary is good in terms of this is keeps you safe, right? If you have a house, you have a fence, you want to keep things inside the house safe, but also help to keep the negative, the bad things out. But sometimes the boundaries we've had placed on ourselves um, are limiting us in some shape or form, like the the elephant example, where there is no more boundary. The the jail door is open, but we still feel like we're in jail because mm -hmm. we, we don't realize that there's that boundary is what we put on ourselves. And this also relates to comfort zones. Mm -hmm. Comfort zone is very comfortable and often doesn't want to be challenged, but uh, nothing grows in a comfort zone. True. And this is what's uncomfortable is that you have to push against those boundaries of your comfort zone because you're, again, your brain is trying to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. And this is the, that, that moment. It's like kind of learning to dive off a, off the board into the pool for the first time, uh -huh. or not that I've tried it, you know, skydiving out of plane, that initial fear of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? 
But then you take that leap and you realize, oh, that wasn't so bad. Uh, so the fear anticipation of something is actually worse than it actually doing it. And so, you know, it's again, you know, challenging those beliefs you have of what you can and cannot do mm -hmm. and then allowing yourself to push a little. And here's the thing, you're going to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Let me just lay it out there. I'm going to be honest. It's going to be uncomfortable. There will be tears. Mm -hmm. It will be painful. But just like going to the gym when to build muscle, sometimes mm -hmm. you have to break down some muscle and sometimes mm -hmm. you have to sweat it out. Yeah, And we are layers, just like onions. And every time I peel a layer, I'm going to cry. So every yeah. time you get rid of an old layer, an old layer, uh, old thinking, an old habit, it is going to feel uncomfortable. And here's another thing that I like to talk about is that growth can feel like grieving. Hmm. Growth can feel like grieving when you're letting go of something that you were comfortable with. Because it's, again, it's the security blanket. It's your little lovey. It's a thing that you were used to. It's things that created who you are. But now that you're challenging that, you have to learn to let that go. And sometimes it's also, it's the loss of the status quo. So it's like something is dying because you're letting go of the past. You are dying to self. Mm -hmm. And anytime there's a death, there is a grieving process. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, death also gives birth to renewal. Renewal is good. Renewal is great. There's a, it's kind of like this dichotomy of feeling sad but glad because something old is ending, yeah. but something new is birthing. But we have to be willing to give it the time mm. and we have to be willing to allow help because here's the thing, even with our limiting beliefs, sometimes we don't know they're there and we have blind spots. That's yeah. why, we, why we, they're called blind because we're blind to them. Right. And this is why I believe when God says we are a body of Christ is that we need to come around each other and that you will point out something to me that I didn't even notice was a thing. And then all of a sudden uh -huh. I'm like, Ooh, I didn't know I'd do that. Oh, you know, that's not nice. I'm going to change that about my behavior. But unless we rub up against each other and we get a little uncomfortable and, mm. you know, iron sharpens iron and somebody with in love can share this with you and, and hold them up and say, Hey, did you see that? Got this big fat sit there. You maybe you need to sort that out. Yeah. I would rather someone be honest with me and help me grow yeah. than me staying stuck going around around the circle, around the mountain and yeah. never developing. So as long as you are willing and open to let God work in and through you, mm. allow him to show you and he will be kind, he will be graceful. And But it all comes down to choice. That's mm. one thing God will not interfere with is our free will. He yeah. gave us a choice to yeah. choose him and to choose right. So today is an opportunity. And I always like to say, if you've been looking for a sign, this is it. This yeah. is your invitation that today can be a new day, but you have to choose to partner with God let go of the lies and step into the new life that you know God is destined for you. Amen. That's so good. So last thought then, what would you, what advice would you give to younger Mamika, maybe 10 or 20 years ago? What advice would you have given to yourself that would have possibly changed the journey of your life? Wow. That's a good one. Well, <laughs> if I had, <laughs> I know, right. It's like, well, how can you just reverse engineer everything in the last sort of 20, 40 years? <laughs> Well, I always like to say, if I had to talk to my younger self, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, and I'd say, you know, it does get better when you're feeling like you're in a hard spot, but mm -hmm. keep the faith, be willing to do the hard work. Don't back down and allow fear to stop you because there's so much good on the other side of fear. You just need to put on your big girl panties, pull yourself together and say, you know what? You can do this. You are stronger than you actually think. You have more things at your disposal and abilities, especially when you partner with God and trust that instinct or that, that heart voice, because God does speak in a small, still voice, uh, that second guessing and that's yeah. always questioning things. Sometimes questioning is good, but in this case, when God is speaking truth, 
we don't want to take in what other people are saying mm -hmm. and really staying focused on the vision and the purpose. Because it's amazing to me now that I'm in my mid forties, I look back and I say, you know, you know, those little seed God planted when you were five or that little seed of desire when you were 16 or when you were 18, God doesn't waste anything. Yeah. Those things and desires and those thoughts, especially when you were a child, because he, that was when you were carefree and, and you didn't worry about what people thought. Mm -hmm. Really tap in and God will reveal to you, especially if you put the the younger you way back on the shelf. Maybe you need a duster off and bring her out and bring her out to play. And it's amazing when you allow God to do that, how much more your life will be enjoyable. It's true. That's so good. All right. Well, tell us then for anyone who's like, Hey, I maybe could use a coach in this area. I'd like to see what else Mamika has available as resources. How can they get a hold of you, find you, find your resources? Perfect. Well, the best place to find me online, if you're interested in learning more about the concept of neuroscience and mindset, and especially from a Christian worldview, mm -hmm. is um, you come to my website at mamikacooney.com. It's M-I-M-I-K-A-C-O-O-N-E-Y.com for our audio listeners. And I have a bunch of links, like you can grab a, a copy of my book, The Unstick Your Mind, and it's, the subtitle is Shift Your Mindset, Develop Grit, and Break Barriers. It's available on Amazon and all the other um, uh uh, bookstores as well but I also have a signature 12-step uh, program based on the book called the unstick your mind method mm -hmm. and that is how you get training so we do this in small cohort groups because I, having tested this process uh, for over two and a half years and taking students through it there is using neuroscience techniques of how to actually help you break out of those barriers because mm -hmm. it's all in well talking about it but unless we show you how uh nothing changes right so we've developed the system and our work i have a team of facilitators and we host groups in 12-week cohorts so if you're interested in that definitely come to mamikakunin.com um and i have all the links available there and i do have some freebies i have a free download called eight tips to supercharge your mindset Aww. and i have a youtube channel and i regularly put out weekly videos on mindset, um, little shorts, some encouragement. Mm -hmm. So make sure to follow me and subscribe on YouTube and on Instagram. I love posting, you know, daily bites on um, all things mindset. Um, yeah. So definitely connect with me there. I'd love to hear that you heard, heard me on Jen's show. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm going to put all of her links in the show notes as well. So if you're listening and driving and you're like, Oh, I won't for, I won't remember that after I get home from the grocery store, then you can just come back to the episode, look in the show notes. It'll be right there. So Mamika, thank you so much for coming on my show. It was such a delight to just hear your insights. And especially on a topic like this, I think is so relevant and so felt and so needed. So thank you for the work that you've done. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, you guys, thanks so much for listening to today's show. It was so great to have you. If you liked this episode, share it with a friend or three friends, because listen, we've all gone through COVID. We all need some mental health processes in our lives. And so if you've lived for more than a couple of years, you need some tools. And so share this episode with somebody that you love and care about. And uh, otherwise, make sure that you are subscribed on whatever platform you listen to. If you're a new listener, that way you don't miss any upcoming episodes and come hang out with me on Instagram. I love to hang out over there. I post a lot of reels and, and polls and I keep you guys in the loop of what's, what's going on. And so come follow me over at Java with Jen on Instagram and I will see you guys next week. Have a great week guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, 
it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.